this is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Ariel's podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you check out the show notes, there's a free gift there for you. The mini course by Wrap Your Head Around Silks. Super easy to register for the student portal. Check that out. And today we have Jill Franklin, owner and creator of Ariel Physique based in LA, but if you haven't heard of her, you're probably under an aerial rock because she has a brick and mortar studio in LA, YouTube TV, an app, teacher training, and books. She has built an aerial business over the last 10 years, and I invited her here to talk about what it's like to run her business. It is fascinating, and it was so fun to talk to her for our interview. So let's get started. All right, podcast listeners, this is Jill Franklin. Hello, everybody. Yes, of Ariel Physique, and uh, I've invited her to come on here. I know this is the Expecting Arielist, and a lot of times we focus on on motherhood, etc., but I really believe that uh, we're all here for all of it. It's, it's just a bunch of aerialists wanting to know a lot about our industry too. And Jill, I, I think I've like seen you in person like a couple times because we live in LA and we share an industry together. She's got this kind of, I would kind of like this amazing big business. Thank you. In Ariel. <laughs> and I always talk to when me and Rachel, if you, you, if your name ever comes up between me and Rachel, we're just like, we are doing Rachel before me, but we're doing the business of Ariel too. And even, you know, just in those steps where you're like, oh my God, I don't know how to run this website myself. We have said, we're like, oh my God, Jill did this before any of us. You got to give her props because like, because it's, it's like, it's really hard in ways that I only realized after I started doing it myself. Absolutely. And I think so many people just see the, you know, the surface, like the video on Instagram or our website, but they have no idea what goes into the back end of all of that, especially if they've never run a business themselves and you don't know until you do it. So it's, it's, you know, you have to learn as you go. Yes. So if you could first introduce yourself to our audience and... And uh, just do an introduction where you're from, just a little bit about you. And then I'd love to hear about when you first started and what made you start. I don't actually know this story. I know. Uh, a lot yeah. of people don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, please, please do. Absolutely. So obviously I am Jill Franklin. I am the owner of Aerial Physique and I... Grew up dancing and I was a teenager and I think I saw my very, very first Cirque du Soleil show and I thought it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my whole life because it's like dancing but cooler because people are flying around on the stage and there's acrobatics and I think I was about 14 when I saw my first show and I just thought it would be the coolest thing in the whole world to be a flying dancer, essentially. And at this point, it was just, you know, just a thought. And I moved to New York City when I was 21. My best friend and I made a pact that we were going to live in New York City together at one point in our lives. And finally, we're like, we're going to do it. 
So we moved. I was living in LA at the time and she was in San Francisco. So we picked up and moved to New York, totally freaked out our parents and um, ended up, uh, I taught Pilates. So pre-aerial, I was a dancer and I also was a Pilates instructor. So I got a job teaching Pilates and I thought at this time I wanted to be a dancer slash actress like on Broadway or something. So I started to go to auditions and You've been there too, Carrie. It's like the cattle call auditions where there's like 500 people for one part. and It's just so defeating. And I really wanted to do something that lit me up because dance, I absolutely loved it. But I just felt like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm ever going to make it in this industry. What am I going to do? So I remembered that time when I saw my first Cirque du Soleil show and saw that there was like a circus school in New York City and thought, hey, why don't I give circus a try. Why not? So I signed up for a class and this was before it was more mainstream like it is now. So this was back in 2007 and I signed up for a class and I remember walking in and being like so nervous to the point like my armpits were sweating, my hands were sweating. I was like trembling (laughs) because it's scary. I had the dance background, but I knew I had zero upper body strength and I went in there, took my first class and I was pretty terrible in the beginning because I had the flexibility, but like a lot of people, the strength sometimes is challenging. So I felt literally like a floppy noodle trying to get up on the silk and it was defeating, but at the same time, it was so invigorating and exciting. And from the very first class, I knew like, this is my new thing. This is what I want to do. This is so cool. So I just kept going back to class, kept going back. And just like dancers, we train like crazy people, like six days a week for hours on end. I kind of applied the same discipline that I had for dance into Ariel and started to take as many classes as I could um, in New York City. And within a couple years, got, you know, jobs performing, booked a job on a cruise ship. Um, and then after a couple years kind of living the suitcase life, which I'm sure you've been there, many of the listeners might have as well, where you don't know where your next contract is coming from. You're not sure like, where's home? Where do I live? I live out of the suitcase, but I don't, I don't really know where I live <laughs> that feeling. And I felt like I needed to have more roots somewhere. So I decided to come back to LA. So I was living in New York City, got a job on a cruise ship, traveled around on a cruise ship for a while, kind of got like a little bit over the cruise ship life, decided to come to LA and went back to my Pilates roots because I knew that I could get a job teaching Pilates, taught for a gym called Equinox. Oh, Um, me too. We've all been through that one. Yeah. So I taught, I also taught in New York City at Equinox as well. I taught private Pilates and also group fitness. Um, So I could always rely on good old Equinox to to give me a job when I needed it. And then um, I remember I taught Pilates, but I also took a sales job at the West LA Equinox, which is like, for those of you that live in LA, it's on Sepulveda. It's like the giant monstrous Equinox. And I got a job selling gym memberships. And I remember being in a sales meeting one day and somebody was asking me what else I did for fun. And I showed them a video of me doing aerial. And he looked at me and was like, what are you doing here? You should be doing (laughs) that. Because he was, he had no idea that that's what I was into. And then that kind of sparked me to think, I should be doing that. What am I doing here? So um, kind of segue story. I think the full reason why I got the job at Equinox was because that's where I met my husband. Oh, cool. Yeah. So 
he um, was a personal trainer at the gym and I was obviously working there. And we have this funny little story where um, I pretty much stalked him at the gym because I would watch him run on the treadmill and he had no idea I was watching him. And then one day I was getting ready to take a like Matt Pilates class and I saw him sitting in the atrium area by himself and I thought, okay, now's my chance to introduce myself. So I went up to him and introduced myself and he ended up coming to take an aerial class with me and the rest was history. Like six months later, we were engaged. So my advice is you can always maybe meet a husband if you ask them to take aerial class with you. (laughs) It was a smart move. I think that's a smart move. Jill, how long were you away from LA? So I moved to LA when I was twenty. One, wait, okay, no, I moved to LA when I was 18. I told my parents, bye, I'm leaving. I lived here until I was about 21. And then I moved Uh, to New York City. Yeah, moved to New York City when I was 21, lived there for about four years. And then I left when I was about 25, 26 to perform. And then I came back when I was about, back to LA when I was about 27-ish. Yeah, about 27. Okay, so that's kind of a journey. And where are you from? Originally, I'm from a little town called Loveland, Colorado. It's just outside of Denver. Ah, cool. Mm-hmm. I love this. Okay, I didn't know any of this. I do think a lot of dancers have a very similar, a very similar track. You know, I moved out here yes. when I was 23. I didn't do the New York thing. New York was very intimidating to me because I didn't like, I don't know, like I'm a little bit shorter. I wanted the hip hop thing. So New York with just like the heels and the tall and the, yeah, it's the leggy. Just, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've heard from many New York dancers that LA is so intimidating. It's so funny. I think, yeah, yeah everybody has a different perception based on where you are. <laughs> Both places can be intimidating, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and your skill set. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you're you're back in LA. You met your husband. You got engaged. You're you're training Ariel. You're training Ariel. Where did you train back then? So I back then trained with Rebecca at Hollywood Aerial Arts when it was in existence. Rebecca um, Freud. Freud. Yeah. Freud. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So she she was wonderful. So I trained a lot with her, um, and then. At the time, I was also teaching at Equinox, like I said, but I was teaching in another little Pilates studio in Santa Monica. And I decided to quit my Equinox job. They let me put a couple silks up in the Pilates studio. And let me tell you, the Pilates studio was tiny. I got pretty much the office room, which was maybe 12 feet high, enough space to fit two silks, maybe. And I decided to start Aerial Physique kind of on a whim. Um, the name came to me because I liked the, the word physique and <laughs> Aerial started with the A. I was like, hmm, easy peasy. So I got the DBA name, which is the doing business name, um, registered it legally and started teaching classes at the place that I was already doing Pilates. And they let me rent that kind of office room to run my classes. So I had my own little itty bitty studio within the Pilates studio and just gradually, you know, 
built clientele. In the beginning, I, I tried to recruit my Pilates people to try Ariel. And I had a handful of students um, who were amazing. And some of them are actually still taking classes with me today, which is so incredible because they've been with me for, you know, almost nine, 10 years now. So um, that was the very beginning of Ariel Physique, a teeny tiny studio with 12 foot high ceilings and about five students. Oh my God. So what year was that? That was in 2012. 2012. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it is 10 years. 10 years. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, please keep on going because now, and correct me if I'm wrong, but brick and mortar, Mm -hmm. YouTube, an app, Uh and then of course the Instagram that we all know and love. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of moving parts within the business, but in the beginning it was just, you know, the studio, tiny studio and five or so clients. And my very first video I ever put up on YouTube, which actually I took it down because I was so embarrassed of it after I put it up. (laughs) It was how to do a pull-up if you can't do a pull-up. And it was me in my apartment at the time talking in front of my bathroom. I had put like a pull-up bar in the doorway trying to teach how to do a pull-up if you can't do a pull-up because that was something that I really, really struggled with in the beginning. And I really thought it would be helpful to, you know, share with people how to do that. So I posted that video and I actually gained quite a lot of traction, even though I was slightly embarrassed of it. And then I thought, you know, well, what if I just started putting up a few little tutorials and tips about how to do basic things on silks? And this was before Instagram. This was before people were really sharing how to's of Ariel. Um, I think this, I started doing the videos and I want to say 20, 13, 2014, and posted the videos, very low quality, put them out there for the world to see. And the channel started to get a little bit more popular. Um, And then I wrote my first book, Beginner's Guide to Aerial Silks, which the very first copy I was actually also embarrassed of. So one thing I've learned in business is that if you're not embarrassed of your first draft or your first project, you started too late. (laughs) That's one thing I've definitely learned. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and putting yourself out there, even if you don't fully feel ready. So a lot of things I didn't feel ready for, but I just kind of did them anyway as a experiment and went with it. Um, So I did my first book and then the videos on YouTube started picking up more and more. And then that's when I started to get invited to go travel to teach workshops. Um, I created a teacher training program because it was me and the two silks and at the studio I was teaching at and my classes were extremely full. So at one point, I think I was teaching 28 hours a week of Ariel and it was just me and I was thoroughly exhausted. So I thought, okay, I think it's time to um, hire some teachers. But as we know, in Ariel classes, every studio has its own names for things and its own terms. So I wanted to make sure that the teachers that I had on board, we all shared a similar philosophy and similar names for things so the students weren't confused. So a couple of my students took my teacher training program, which wasn't really a program at the time. It was pretty much just like apprentice me and, you know, just shadow me in class. And then after a while, then you can have your own classes. So that's how the teacher training program started. And now it's this whole big thing with a book and an online course and all these things. So that was the beginnings of it. And then I think 
think in 2015, I started an Instagram account because a friend of mine, Jen Bailey, told me that I should start it because if I post videos, I might get free outfits. <laughs> so that was my motivation. For oh my posting. God, that's amazing. Isn't that funny? She said, <laughs> that's hilarious. my husband works in social media and there's a social media platform. And I heard that if you, you know, post like workout and fitness videos, sometimes brands will send you free clothes. <laughs> And I thought, okay, well, I guess I'll try that. So in the beginning, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just, you know, posting randomly here and there, no strategy behind it. Um, And then I really started focusing on Instagram about four or five years ago. So it's been, it's just, you know, over time, you learn and you blossom and things expand. And now I look back and I think, how did I do all that in 10 years? Yeah, it's it's a lot. Do you feel like, so from what I'm hearing there was not, you didn't necessarily have this full strategy mapped out. You just took a step in front of you. Exactly. I, I knew that from, from a young age, I always have had an entrepreneurial spirit. So I graduated high school early um, when I was about 15. I didn't go to college because I wanted to be a dancer. And I always kind of had an entrepreneurial edge. I always wanted to do my own thing. I never really enjoyed having a boss. So I've always had that drive to do my own thing. So I definitely have been driven. But in the beginning, yeah, I didn't have a full picture of where it was going. I just did, you know, the next step led to the next step. And then it just kept growing and growing. And then things unfolded over time. But the entrepreneur in me has has always been there. I'm seeing one difference. Be There's, you know, obviously we're different people, but I wanted to perform forever. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 40 for now. And I wanted to perform until they absolutely kicked me off the stage. Mm -hmm. And so this is great in one way, but it delayed me really putting a lot of work into my business. Mm -hmm. It seems like that is a road that you didn't go down after the cruise yeah, you're right. So, and is that, was that a, like a, okay, I'm going to turn left here or was that, did it just happen? It was somewhat intentional. So from, you know, since I was about three, I grew up dancing and same. I thought I wanted to be a performer my whole life and I love being on stage. And I thought that that was the road, but honestly, I am terrified of auditions, literally terrified. And I didn't like the thought of my fate being in somebody else's hands as far as saying yes or no. And I really wanted to take control of where my life was heading. And I thought, you know, if performing opportunities come up, then I'll decide and take it. But I did intentionally decide to pivot and go with something that I felt was more consistent for me. Um, Just because that kind of living on edge, not sure when your next contract will be was stressful. And I definitely did pivot and focus more on the business side of things. And I got, you know, performance jobs here and there, um, but it wasn't a focus. It was a definite like, okay, I'm going to do this and focus on aerophysique. And that's the thing that I'm going to focus on. So that's what I did. So I feel like that's a really hard thing to do personally. Mm -hmm. It is for a lot of people, especially if, you know, performing is, 
is your livelihood and your life and it's your passion and it's your joy. And it's, it's challenging for people, especially, you know, if you find that crossroads in life where you're like, okay, it's time to shift out of performing. How am I going to go about doing this? Cause I, you feel like you lose a piece of yourself and it's challenging and everybody's different as far as their timing of that. Um, but mm-hmm. I think at some point, you know, the nice thing about the aerial community is I think there is more longevity in it versus say like, a ballet company. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's great. Um, there's a woman actually, you know, I do the Friday features on Instagram and there's a woman that we're featuring uh, this Friday and she's 72 and she does Ariel. I oh think my that God. That's, that's great. So inspiring. That's so inspiring. That's so, great. Yeah. I don't think, you know, there, everybody has, nobody has an expiration date necessarily. It's just, you have to find what works for you and the timing that works for you in your life. And Sometimes it does require a pivot to a different direction and that that's that's challenging. Yeah, I when I look back, you know, cuz there's an opportunity cost to everything that you mm-hmm. do and that's becoming that's becoming more real to me the older I get. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're younger you just feel like you have infinity of time to do whatever you want. Absolutely. At least at least that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And definitely I don't know if I would have done it differently, but I do look back and I'm like, man, I wish I could have done both at the same time. But it is hard. It's hard to even to even train consistently in the aerial world if you're dancing full time. Oh, absolutely. It's super hard. I mean, it's challenging to keep up with all of it. Besides, you know, building a business as well. So. So for the for the people out there who kind of are looking outside in to aerial physique. Mm-hmm. How much work was it then, the front loading to start it? And then how much work is it now? Like hours, what are your days like? Great question. So in the beginning, say 2012, 2013, 2014, it was me doing all the things. So I am fortunate in that I really enjoy the business side of things and the marketing side of things. I actually enjoy that equally as much as I do the creative aerial side of things. So I know I'm fortunate because that's not the case for everybody, but I, it's been a lot of work. So in the beginning, I kind of winged a lot of things and didn't fully know what I was doing and learned as I, you know, went along. Um, And then after a few years, I started learning how to hire help and delegate. Um, So I hired my coach, Gabe, who is now the manager of the studio. So for example, Gabe's duties now are taking care of the inbox. Um, He also helps with teacher training. He teaches a lot of the classes. I have somebody who answers the phone and text messaging. I do all the back end of the websites. So the actual aerial physique website. I do the back end of that. All the courses I do the back end of, all the um, photography and video my husband does for the courses. The video on Instagram, I just do that with my cell phone. So on average, I spend, so every day I'd say at least an hour on, you know, admin type things. Um, content is my main focus. So I, I would say out of all the things, my main job is being a content creator. So I do my best to create content for Instagram, to, to create content for the Aero Physique TV app. Um, if we have a course running like inversion method or windmill method or teacher training, you know, I'm putting up content for those people. Um, I do, you know, Zoom calls for teacher training. So there's a lot that goes into it, but I'd say my work week, like admin 
is probably about 10 hours now. And then I say planning content and all of that, um, about five to 10 hours. So I'd say about 20 hours of work a week now. But before I had help, it was constantly. I was replying to emails and students at, you know, midnight. I had no boundaries at all. I just was doing all the things super tired, trying to figure out how to do it all. But you don't know until you know. And then over time, you learn what you're good at and what you can start passing off to other people to do. And I know that that's not feasible for everybody in the beginning, especially financially, because, you know, you don't have the means to hire people to help you. But it comes with time. Um, and I would say the the thing that I've stuck to the most is just being consistent. And I think that that's tricky for a lot of people. And I think that that's one thing that has set Aerial Physique apart is I have been super consistent on Instagram, like religiously posting five days a week for five years. That's kind of my, what I've done and it's grown. It's just with consistency. That's kind of the secret sauce is consistency. And we all have it. We all have it in us, but it's, it's challenging to see that through for some people. Oh my God, that is so difficult. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's difficult for a couple of reasons. So, you know, now I have a child that's mm-hmm. on the side, but, you know, access to studio space because mm-hmm. you, you have your own space, Rachel and Brett do too. So that kind mm-hmm. of eliminates that, that issue. But for people out there, they might be like me where, you know, I teach, oh my God, I, I teach like six days a week right now. Yeah. So I do have access whether or not I'm having the time to actually create something that I like. Yeah. Is kind it's, of an issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also, Jill, how many times do you do something? Because I, this is the hardest thing for me. I will do something 18 times and not be happy with the video. Yes. I have a self-rule. Okay. So my self-rule is... I will not let my myself do it more than six times. Ah, so you have to pick best out of six. Best of six. That's my rule. Because otherwise, if you're, you know, a perfectionist or recovering perfectionist or grew up dancing, you know, you, you have to, it has to be perfect doesn't exist, but to the best of your ability. And if one little thing is off or you notice, oh, that line looks kind of funny from that angle or, oh, shoot, I should have done this differently. You you just can't find anything good about it and you just start picking it apart. But I've learned that done is better than perfect. And if you do it six times and you can't find one out of six, you're probably not going to find one out of 20 either. So do six and choose one. (laughs) That's what I've decided. Oh my God. (laughs) Otherwise you'll spend four hours on one piece of content and then you still aren't satisfied. No, and done equals consistency. Yes, and I've really had to, because I post videos sometimes and I see places where it can be better or you know, the line looks weird because the angle's funny or it's like a weird crotch shot to the camera, you know, all those things that happen. But I just go with it because done is better than perfect. And I want to make sure I'm inspiring other people to, you know, do the same. And sometimes you have to put yourself out there, even if you don't feel like it's perfect, but that's part of, that's part of growing and learning and running a business. (laughs) So... Yeah, I've, I, <laughs> I've gotten better. I've gotten way more efficient, but that I have a lot of, you know, like I'm such a perfectionist with that yeah. and perfect doesn't exist. And there are videos and it's also in your mind because I'll put a video out that I know I felt that way about two years later, you know, I'll go through the depths of my Instagram 
yeah. look at again oh. and I'll be like, that's a good video. Yeah. And then in the moment when we're doing it, we think we're, it's terrible. <laughs> we're actually doing a lot better than we think. It's so funny. I used to have a dance teacher when I was growing up that said, youth is wasted on the young, which I think is such a good quote now. In the beginning, I didn't understand what that meant. But we look back at ourselves and we're like, wow, I was really good. Or wow, I looked really great. And we don't realize, you know, as we get older, that youth is wasted on the young because you don't realize what you had or what you were doing or how great you were when you were younger. Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I still am yet to capture how exactly (laughs) you're pulling this off because. So I have spent a lot of time doing, you know, techie stuff. So I would consider myself pretty techie. I am also obsessed with organizing. So for example, almost any given day, I have about three different calendars. So the before I go to bed every night, I write down the next day, what my top three must do things are for the business. So whether it's, you know, studio wise, for example, putting up the next month schedule, maybe it's recording a few videos for Aerial Physique TV, and then maybe it's putting up a post for something about teacher training or creating some sort of content. And then anything else other than that is like extra secondary. So every night I I write out the next day what my top three things are that I have to do that isn't just busy work, not just replying to emails, not just replying to DMs, things that are actually going to move the needle forward for the business. And I have to get those done. Then anything after that is extra bonus. Yay, I did extra things. So I typically am able to do those three things and then some. And then I have a weekly calendar of what my week looks like as far as the things I'll get done for that week. And then I have a monthly calendar and that equals my content focuses. If there's any course launches coming up, if I need to write any email copy. So I do do a lot of, you know, I, I wear a lot of hats on the business side of things and I'm also the face of the business. So yes, I, as my husband will tell you, I am all business. I'm all business all the time, and but I love it. That's the thing. It's something that I truly enjoy. If I didn't love it, it would be very challenging for me to keep up with all these things that I do. Um, but again, I also have help. Gabe helps me out with a lot of things, um, replying to emails, which can be very time consuming. Um, but I write, you know, all the email copy, videos, all that good stuff. So some people say I'm a unicorn and I guess in some ways I am in that regard. Yeah. I think in some ways, some ways you are too. And you know, Jill, do you still teach? I teach a little bit. So I teach um, a couple classes a week and I also have a couple private clients, but my focus is kind of being the visionary for the business and overseeing the bigger, bigger picture. Cause if I find I'm in like the daily day to day teaching all the time, Uh I can't step back and see the bigger picture of where it's going with all of the moving parts. So I teach because I love it and I truly enjoy, you know, the students that we have and I want to keep that going and connecting. And it also helps me come up with ideas for technique tip Tuesdays. So it's important that I do that, but I, I don't teach very much only a couple classes a week. Um, and then I also have a very random life update. So recently, okay, during the pandemic, in addition to um, 
mindlessly scrolling Instagram, one of my, my habits became looking at Zillow for fun, which is like the house website and fantasizing about, you know, what it would be like to live somewhere else than LA. So a couple months ago, I was on like one of my fun little Zillow scrolls and I stumbled across the sweetest little blue house in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, I clicked on it. And I was jumping up and down and told my husband, we should get it. We should get it. Kind of half joking, half serious. Long story short, we ended up getting the house in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, my goodness. You know what? <laughs> Breaking news on the Expecting Aerialist podcast. <laughs> Ex- congratulations. And you know what? Me and my husband, who's not technically my husband, we just did the same thing in Wilmington, Del- Delaware. Oh, Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. So congratulations because we just went through that process. We closed on December 10th. Ah, we're almost closed twins. We closed on December 13th. Oh my God. So cool. (laughs) Yeah. So I haven't really announced it yet because I didn't really know what I was doing or what my life looked like moving forward. So with that said, I'm in LA right now, but I'm splitting my time between Nashville area and LA moving forward. Um, and then we're planning to build an aerial, I'm calling it an aerial barn on the property essentially, because it's on two acres, which oh, is so good. Unheard of in LA. So that's coming up sometime later this year, but we have to get that going. So in regards to my teaching schedule, I am <laughs> teaching less now because I'm not in LA all the time. Oh my goodness. I love breaking news on this podcast. This is amazing. That's, yeah, I haven't even made that announcement yet. You're, you're, you're one of the, the first two. Um, oh my goodness. This is so yeah. great. So <laughs> is the plan to have two studios basically? Basically. So the LA one will be more classes. The one in Tennessee will be more, I'm thinking retreats and teacher trainings because it is in the country and it just is the perfect setting for a, you know, aerial staycation for those people that live near Nashville or people want to get out of the city life and just enjoy hearing the birds and looking at the trees and doing aerial. (laughs) And that's kind of where I'm thinking. And then also renting it out to other artists that want to host their own retreats or workshops in the space. Um, And then we have to figure out where people are going to stay. So possibly putting little tiny cabins on the property. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like yet, but it's in the works. Oh my God. And I don't know about you, but just like the amount that you can get for the amount of money. Oh my gosh. Just anywhere else but LA. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's why looking on Zillow and looking at, you know, homes in Tennessee versus homes in Los Angeles, it's ridiculous. You know, there's a house not too far from the studio in LA that's like $2.8 million. No, I know. And it's next to like a KFC and a CVS on a busy intersection. You can get a hundred acres for $2.8 million in Tennessee. I know. And it actually makes me kind of mad. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It kind of makes me angry. The whole, uh, not angry, angry, but the thought of me and my, my, my dude, he has said, he's like, it is just a travesty that the city that we've invested 20 years of our lives, we can't afford to live here. Basically. Do you and your husband already live in a house here that you rent, that you own? No. So we were renting, same. We were renting an apartment and yeah. it's just, we got tired of throwing away rent. Oh and yeah. It was, 
it was like expensive rent too. Um, and he has been talking about moving for years, but I just, I couldn't do it because I was so invested in the studio and, you know, all the students and all the people I love here. And I just, I couldn't do it. But I think the pandemic, you know, there's always those little silver, silver linings, in the pandemic and so much turned virtual. So I thought, you know what, maybe we can actually make this work now. And, I had no idea where we, we wanted to get something. That was the hard part. So I was just on Zillow looking at random cities, random places. I had never even been to Tennessee before. And I thought Nashville might be a cool, hip, fun area. So I was just looking for fun. And that's how I stumbled across the the house. And we pretty much got it um, sight unseen, which was very scary and exciting at the same time. <laughs> and- oh, well, I haven't seen the house that we bought. My, my guy flew back and forth to do everything. Wow. Well, amazing. I also have the two-year-old and we're of not course. putting her on a plane right now, you know, COVID. Yeah. yeah. We wanted to be close to, because my, uh, Asa is a musician and a producer. So we wanted to be close to New York City. We wanted to be close to Philly, which is why we ended up. But we had like four different real estate agents in four different states. Wow. Yeah. Looking, we same. Trying to figure it out. Yeah. Looking for us. And apparently the East Coast is getting gifted to two different aerial brands pretty soon. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, aerial physique and wrap your head around salsa are going to be East Coast, you know. East Coast, West Coast. Here we go. You know, a couple of years, apparently. Um, although I don't have brick and mortar over here. Uh, I do look at you and Rachel and Brett with complete awe because the amount of, I, I think that people think that Womack and Bowman makes a lot of money mm-hmm. because the classes are packed, mm-hmm. but their overhead is so much. Exactly. People don't realize no. how much. Yeah. Cause it's when you run a studio, it's not just the rent it's, you have to pay employees, the employees, if they are employees, then I pay workers compensation. Then you have to, you know, buy toilet paper and cleaning supplies. And then you have to pay for the back end of all the software that you use. And then it, the expenses are really high, especially in a city like Los Angeles. So um, brick and mortar is challenging, but it's also so rewarding and wonderful to see people, you know, try their first aerial class for the first time. And then a couple years later, flash forward, they're doing all these crazy, amazing, badass things in the air. And you're just so proud of them. And that, that reward is, is worth it to me. Yeah. And, and for me being an instructor at one of these LA studios, it's, it's the community that mm-hmm. the studio cultivates for just being open and, you know, fighting through a pandemic Yeah, absolutely. to keep their doors open. Mm-hmm. The community is what is really like benefits mm-hmm. from the hard work of, of people like you and Brett and Rachel and all the other ones. Um, Cirque School LA is still open as well, made it through the pandemic here in LA. Yeah, I know. It's, it's amazing that we all made it through, but it's... Um it's challenging to run a brick and mortar, especially nowadays. And I do have anxiety, of course, with COVID and, oh no, what if there's, you know, another lockdown or what if somebody gets sick or all these things that go through your head? It's, it's challenging. It's definitely something that, um, it's not easy to do. So those of you that do take classes from a studio, give the studio owner a little extra thank you because it's a lot of work to keep it going. Well, and the thing that 
occurs to me because I only have an online, but I'm responsible for it, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm responsible for all of it, meaning you guys, if something were to happen, you know, you are personally responsible in a way. I'm sure you have, you know, LLC or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but it's still it's still a lot of responsibility. And I know that Rachel and Brett share it, but it it makes it easier to share it. Yeah. Emotionally, psychologically, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you go to sleep at night and you're thinking, okay, I hope everybody's safe at the studio today. I hope nothing happens. I hope all of these things and you, we, I have insurance and yes, the company is an LLC. It's S Corp LLC. Um, And I have aerial insurance and, you know, we do staff meetings about safety and we make sure that the, the teachers are well equipped, but you do have that worry in the back of your head. Like what if somebody's just having one of those days and does something yeah. weird and you, yeah. you know, you, you don't know. So that, that constant anxiety is always there. I don't think that ever goes away, but you do learn to make sure you hire people that are great and understand the protocol and follow the rules and all that good stuff. But there is human error that can happen that you can't control. So. Yeah. I'm, I would be considered, even though I'm not, you know, I'm not in my sixties. I'm still a veteran teacher at our studio because, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to, you know, if you put 10 years in, in this city, you've already been doing it longer than most. Yes. The amount of things that have happened while I, on my watch at that studio, like it creates so much anxiety in me Mm -hmm. and I don't even own the place. Like (laughs) two summers ago, we had a huge earthquake. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was teaching, I had four people in the air I look up, I'm sitting on the ground in the center, like in the front and I look up and the lights are swaying. (gasps) They're swaying. And the whole, like the aerial points, they can't feel it because they're in the air, but wow. And I was like, (laughs) down now, Wow. you know, and then, and then, you know, I give my bosses props because they take on the anxiety of it happening, but then they're talking me down from my anxiety attack because yeah. I was I was there the amount and that's one out of out of a lot of things I've also like been this close to somebody completely falling from 20 feet because they wrapped it wrong and I'm like mm-hmm. trying to get them to stop what they're doing you know it's like yeah in this particular business it's a risky business mm-hmm. it's a risky business definitely Jill if you have advice for any aerialists out there, teachers out there who are thinking of creating their own business around aerial. Mm-hmm. What would that, what would your advice be to them? I think nowadays there's, well, in the beginning, there was not much out there as far as aerial goes. And now there's a lot of different options, but I think every one of us has our own unique perspective that can be shared. And that's beautiful. And that's great. So for example, you can learn, you know, hip key roll up from one teacher, and then another teacher is going to teach it a different way. And that teacher is going to give you something different. And it's important to not look at everybody else. And it's so easy to get into the comparison mindset, like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get there. Oh, this person's doing that. And I can't do it because they're doing it. All of those things creep in. But I think we, we each have something unique to offer and we all have our own personalities and experiences that make us us. So 
making your business or your aerial, you know, whatever you decide to do, something that really represents you and your spin on things. Um, Because I do believe that there is room, there's room for all of us. And I think that that comes from, uh, you know, having more of an abundance mindset, because a lot of people think, oh, it's already been done, I can't do it. Um, But I think that there's definitely room for all of us. And I think it's beautiful that everybody has different perspectives and experiences that they can bring to the table. Um, As far as, you know, business wise, like Carrie and I were just talking about, it is a risky business. So you do want to make sure if you're opening a studio, for example, you're following the correct protocol to do so, especially when it comes to rigging, especially when it comes to mats, you know, hiring people that are qualified. Um, I recommend looking into resources like American Circus Educators. They have standards and safety protocol in place. Aerial physique is um, recognized through them. And so is our teacher training program. Um, but always, you know, look out for yourself and look out for your students, because if, you know, something happens in your class or at your studio, it can be devastating for obviously the person that it happens to, but the whole community can be affected. So you want to make sure you do your homework up front, especially on the safety side of things and make sure you understand it. You're equipped, you know, research rigging, take rigging workshops. Now, virtually there's so many resources out there that we didn't have 10 years ago. So I think now we're in a time where there is an overwhelming amount of information that you that you can learn and ask questions um, and do your thing and you do you. And I think there's room for all of us. Yeah, Jill, I love that. And what I love about being in this LA community, for the most part, there is just support all the way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and I think like the studios, you know, some places might think like, oh, we're competitors or whatever. But I think, you know, with like Rachel and Brett, for example, we're in the same industry. We do virtually almost the same thing, but we have a different take on things. And I think that there's room for everybody and there's nothing wrong with that. And just thinking of it as a whole community, you know, the aerial world world as a community versus, you know, competing studios. I don't really, I'm not into that vibe at all. So. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not either. And even, um, you know, when I see, and like Anna and Nick over Aerial House, they were students of Brett and Rachel. Mm-hmm. And they started their own thing and they have an amazing thing going on in Alhambra, which is great to service that community because I don't think there was a studio out there. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, in a different part of LA for those people who don't live here. But even the, um, even the sharing of skills, you know, like if I ever get inspired by something that you do or that some, something from another teacher in my studio, it's like, it's all good. Yeah. And I think some people you know, there has to be boundaries around that as far as like choreography and you yeah. know, not copying things verbatim. But right, I think right. that like I've lately have been doing those, the, the tag game, which is so funny because that actually came up accidentally. So the, the tag thing that I post on Instagram, if, for those of you that aren't aware. So I'll do like a part of a sequence and then I leave it up to you to finish the rest of the sequence. So that way you can use your own creativity to, you know, continue it. And I give you a, like a jumping off point. So one day I was filming videos and I was doing something and I literally did not know what to do next. And I looked at the camera and kind of like pointed at it. And then that's how the tag thing started. I was like, oh, this is a good idea. I'll just let them finish it. (laughs) No, that's amazing. I call that, well, I call that choose your own adventure in class. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great. And I realize that my students are terrible at it. Yeah, people all of a sudden, they totally forget everything they know. They forget everything that they know. And I'm just like, okay, pick a skill in a regular footlock. They're like, I don't, 
I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Um, Yeah, Jill, I uh, I'm just so impressed because I feel like I feel like at some point you must have had imposter syndrome, but you just pushed. Oh, absolutely. 100 percent imposter syndrome. You just pushed through it. Is that what happened? Yes, I still do sometimes. So imposter syndrome, especially in the beginning when I first started, you know, putting videos out, you know, the thought of who am I to do this or what are other people going to think of me when if I do this or, you know, I wasn't in Cirque du Soleil, for example. So who am I to be sharing this information because I'm not, you know, top the top performer, you know, all those things go through your head. And I'm very fortunate to have a husband that is super supportive my biggest fan. And he's been really great for, you know, my mental health and mm-hmm. helping me to realize my potential. And I think it's really important to have somebody like that in your corner. That's like a true cheerleader. And that is something that has been amazing for me, but I, I, you just have to push through and I know it's hard because you feel like, Oh, I'm not ready. Oh my gosh, this is scary. Who am I to be doing this? But I truly think that feeling ready is a lie. We never really fully feel ready for a lot of things in life. And you just have to do it, even though you're scared. Just like Ariel, that first time you do that crazy drop that you're terrified of. And then afterwards, you're like, okay, that wasn't so bad. (laughs) It's the same thing with business. It's the exact same thing. You just have to jump and do it. And you learn as you go. And the best way to learn is by doing. You know, you can plan, you can plan, you can plan. But it's in the action that you actually get results. So, imposter syndrome and all you have to you know I always say put your big girl panties on and just go for it (laughs) (laughs) no I love it and I feel like there are there there I'm sure there are teachers out there who want to go and have a business around their aerial and you know it's daunting so this is really great because I think a lot of those pieces of advice are something that you could put like in your pocket and just remind yeah. yourself of. Mm-hmm. And we all feel it. I mean, I still have imposter syndrome. I still get scared. I still don't know what I'm doing all the time. And I think that that's just human nature. And I think a lot of times when we have feelings like that that come up, we tend to like push them away and think, oh no, it's wrong for me to be feeling this. But you know, we're all human. We all feel those things and it's normal. And just keep going despite the fear and consistency above all, I think is what's really gotten Aerial Physique to where it is. And of course, the amazing community that continues to grow. Um, but it's it's possible. It's definitely possible. It's just find your secret sauce and go with it. Yeah, and that and that fear is not just around around the aerial stuff. It's like, at least for me, it's like, I didn't know how to make a website before I learned how to make a website. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that techie stuff that you said that you're pretty good at right now. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that too, because I going, going through that myself as we speak, you know, I'm the only person who's doing this as well. And it's like, I have to learn everything because I don't have enough money to pay somebody. Yes. And that was me too in the beginning. And, you know, I, um, still do all the techie stuff because I enjoy it. Sometimes I do get stuck, but I, and I have a couple people, um, Upwork. So those of you that don't know about the site called upwork.com, it's an amazing resource that has, 
you can post a job and it's freelancers. So if there's something techie that you do not know how to do, like build a website or build a landing page or, you know, create like an email funnel or all these different things, you can post a job on Upwork and it's global and it's amazing because the next morning, so you post it at night, the next morning you'll likely wake up and have like 15 people that want to take your job. Oh, wow. And because it's global, a lot of people will work for different rates. Um, so I have, you know, like my book covers are designed, like all my book covers and stuff for the books are designed by somebody in Bangladesh. And, you know, I have people that help with techie things from that. So Upwork.com can save you if techie stuff is not your thing or if you need somebody to do, you know, graphic design. Now there's so many apps that can do that easily for you. But Upwork is one of my favorite places to go. Yeah, and, and Canva saves my butt yes, all the time. Yes, I use con- Canva all the time. Yep. All the time. Yep, yep. Oh my God, Jill, this was great. I don't think I've ever talked to you for an hour in my life. It's no. always in passing or, you know, tagging each other on an Instagram post or something like that. So this was amazing. Congratulations on your house. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to see what comes of it and officially share it, make the announce with, um, announcement with everybody, but it'll be it'll be out there soon. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Jill. Yeah, thank you, Carrie. And congrats on season two of your podcast. So exciting. Thanks so much for joining us, Jill. I'll have a way to contact her in the show notes. And you can contact me on Instagram at Carrie one or on Twitter at Carrie underscore we. And please honor me with a five-star rating and review anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to Asa Watkins for post-production. Check out the show notes also for that link to my website. Lots of free stuff for you guys, free resources. So thanks for being here. I really appreciate you and yeah, have an amazing week. This is the Expecting Your Alice podcast. Oh, 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 oh,